This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you discussing all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Don't forget to turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Also, please take a few minutes, write me a review, let me know what you think of the show, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, things you want to see improved on, I'd like to know, because I want to make this show the best that it can be for all you Met fans out there. If you love the show, do me a favor and give me five stars and help me climb the rankings in baseball and Mets podcasts out there. Also, you can now find Subway to Shea on YouTube. I've partnered up with my friends at the HSP Network, and you'll be able to find Subway to Shea content there. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and subscribe to their page to find content from this show. Coming up in just a few minutes, Tim Ryder will be joining the show. He's the lead writer and proprietor of The Apple, a full-spectrum independent site covering the New York Mets. He is also the host of the Simply Amazing podcast. But first, before we get to Tim, I wanted to give you a few observations that I took away from the Mets' first spring training game on SNY yesterday. Now, the Mets had previously lost to the Marlins in the first first spring training game 2 to nothing but this one was on TV for all the fans that got to see it a pretty good showing from the New York Mets they won 2 nothing over the Houston Astros at Clover Field i know it's the beginning of spring training but every pitch and every at bat matters it's one step closer for these players to make a roster spot One of the biggest takeaways I saw yesterday was some great pitching all around, starting off with Marcus Stroman, who started the game, pitched two innings, had a really nice command of his pitches, had a couple strikeouts, two good innings by Marcus Stroman, who then handed the ball off to Jordan Yamamoto, and he also pitched two innings as well of shutout baseball from him, and for the bullpen... Jerry Blevins made his return to the New York Mets. Nice seeing him in a Mets uniform again. Drew Smith and Sam McWilliams. Now, we all know Sam McWilliams signed with the Mets for a minor league deal, possibly coming out of the bullpen. He struggled in the beginning of the inning, but was able to fight his way out with two strikeouts to end the game. Very good first impressions from all the pitchers. Now on the offensive side, Jeff McNeil and Albert Almore Jr. both hit solo home runs. Both were crushed 
And this really affects, I would say, uh, Albert Amor Jr. more because he's fighting for a spot on the roster, especially after Kevin Pillar signed with the team. So both of them hit solo home runs. That was all the Mets needed. Another big takeaway for me was watching James McCann. Solid debut behind the dish. Strike him out, throw him out, snagging wild pitches. These are things that we didn't even see from Wilson Ramos last year. And this is all in one game from James McCann. McCann, really solid, really enjoyed what I saw from him. And it's nice to also see the kids get some time in the game. We got to see Brett Batty. We got to see Pete Crow Armstrong, Ronnie Mauricio, Khalil Lee, and Mark Vientos. So all around a nice start to spring for the New York Mets. Joining me now on the Subway to Shea podcast is Tim Ryder. He's the lead writer and proprietor of the Apple a full-spectrum independent site covering the New York Mets. He also hosts the Simply Amazing podcast. Tim, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me. That's great having you on. Now, before you came on, I gave a little bit of observations on yesterday's game. A lot of impressive performances to go around. What stood out to you from the Mets win over the Astros yesterday? You know, you really like to see Marcus Stroman's approach yesterday, per reports. He pretty much forced himself in. He said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to face opposing hitters. And he did. He went out there. He was messing with the new pitch, the uh, the split finger change. And uh, that was really working for him. I mean, even from a spectator's point of view, that thing kind of fell off the table. It was a really nasty addition to the to the repertoire there. But uh, yeah, that was nice to see. Um, Albert Almora cranked a homer late in the game. And I think that's a real plus. Uh, I know him and... Pilar were kind of added as, you know, defensive depth. But if they can also be offensive contributors, that's huge. Yeah, and like you said, those two are going to be fighting it out for quite possibly the final spot on the roster. Going back to Stroman, Rob Friedman, I don't know if you follow up pitching nin- at Pitching Ninja, he posted that change, was it the changeup that, that was filthy that struck out Michael Brantley? Yeah, yeah, that was the new split finger change. Um, I guess Stroman and Friedman, who, if you guys aren't following Pitching Ninja on Twitter, he's terrific. The channel on YouTube as well, Pitching Ninja, just really <laughs> outstanding. But they were working on it in the offseason, and they did a really nice video on it. Probably, I think him and Rob had like a 40-minute conversation or a 20-something-minute conversation, something to that effect. And, yeah, just talking all about pitching. But, yeah, I mean, I guess Stroman was, I guess, feeling comfortable with it, uh, enough with it to start breaking it out against hitters. Like, at least that's what he was intimating during his post-game pressure yesterday or once you came out a uh, very nice little weapon now speaking of stroman a-, a few days ago sandy alderson had a very interesting press conference he was talking about not signing trevor bauer but i'm so done talking about bauer and his agent came out with a new video today and enough is enough with with bauer but what i found most interesting was his comments on extensions for michael conforto francisco lindor and noah syndergaard First off, did you find it interesting that he added Noah to that mix? Because I know he left out Marcus Stroman, who's also a free agent at the end of the year. Well, I think Gary Cohen was noting it on the SNY broadcast on Tuesday. You know, you kind of have to assume that you know he was asked specifically about if there were if there are Sandy was asked if there was anyone else that you know the Mets had discussed internally about um you know jumping into extension talks with. And he pretty blamely said no. And, um, you know, Gary Cohen mentioned it on the SNY broadcast on Tuesday that Stroman had to have heard that. And I'm not necessarily shocked because he did just get a nice qualifying offer to come back to the Met. I believe that is a bridge that will be eventually crossed. But, uh, you know, I think at this point, 
that's kind of squared away, at least in the organization's mind. Because, you know, as of right now, he is signed to a nice contract. I would say let him see what he brings to the table this year. And I think, you know, across the board, expectations are pretty high. He looked very good yesterday. Uh, we're all really familiar with, with how hard he trains. And when he's on top of his game, I mean, he can be a number two starter in this league. And the Mets, you know, once Syndergaard is back, we'll be throwing, you know, Stroman out there, three, four in the rotation. That's a, you know, that that's a, that's a, pretty huge piece to your uh, to your rotation or your starting five, I should say. Now, do you think for Syndergaard, since he added him to those conversations, do you think it's more because, you know, he's the homegrown player, he's grown with this team, we know what he's been pre-Tommy John surgery? Do you think that has anything to do with putting out a contract extension right now? I think that's more along the lines of part of the process. I mean, this is a guy, again, in the same light as Conforto. I mean, the way I would put it was Stroman, you know, I think they kind of put that conversation on the back burner once they signed him to the qualifying offer. I, I don't know if it has to do with being a homegrown player or just, you know, a player who's just finishing out his arbitration years. I think that, I don't know, I don't want to call it priority, but it's, you know, there's, there's an internal organizational pecking order to these things you have to assume. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's prior performance. I would just say, you know, this is a guy who's an arbitration eligible player. This is ahead of him, you know, coming back. I think that whether Syndergaard would jump into conversations now, I think that's another question because, you know, he's coming off of an inconsistent ERA. And that's really only a part of the picture because metrically, he, he's been an elite pitcher. I mean, you look at his advanced metrics, it's that cast, huge. He's been, I think, since 2018, the lowest hard hit percentage per fan graphs among all major league starting pitchers, qualified, everybody. Syndergaard's got the lowest hard hit percentage. Zach Wheeler's right behind him, actually, which a lot of people don't realize. But if he were to sign an extension now, or let's say before he comes back in what's estimated to be June, the Mets would theoretically be getting him back for what his market value is now, as opposed to what his market value is going to be. Let's say he comes back and he's back to being Noah Syndergaard, and after the season, they have to think about signing him or right before he hits free agency or you know even once he hits free agency and he's got other teams vying for his services of course the Mets would like to approach it now whether Syndergaard's willing or ready to approach it I think that's another question to be answered by him you have to assume you know he likes it here especially under the new he, he said how much he enjoys playing in New York and you know the organization and since Cohen's taken over he seemed very very uh gung-ho about what about the direction the, the team is going so if i'm the mets you certainly have to approach it but i'm curious to see whether those conversations continue or come to fruition before Syndergaard returns now with regards to conforto and lindor because that's going to be the big talk until the end of spring how imperative is it that they get both signed by opening day um imperative not really i, I mean i i think that that's probably the goal for the Mets. Just get it all squared away. You don't want that type of stuff hanging over the team. Um, let's say, if you know, you know how the media does. They'll turn something into a, oh, well, you know, Conforto's slumping. Is it because he's thinking about a contract? Or, you know, you just don't want that hanging over the team in, in any case, whether it's positive or negative. I imagine that the Mets are probably trying to, uh, to get this all, all squared away. I trust Lindor's word when he says he really wants to get to know the organization i wouldn't rush that if i were the mets i think that with a player like lindor who you know he's he's truly it feels like he's he's settling in nicely let him take his time make his decision i think he's going to end up being happy here and uh if he is of course you know you back up the the 
the uh, the Brinks truck for him. <laughs> right. It sounds like maybe you would agree with this that I would think Conforto would be the more if you only could do one uh, extension this offseason, it would be for Conforto because you're dealing with Scott Boris. And also, I know we traded some pieces for Lindor, but there are other players available at shortstop, big time shortstops in the offseason next year. What do you mean? Like as far as what I yeah, like still lock up Lindor now or wait it out? If you could only get one done right now, is it Conforto or is it Lindor? I'm more prone to stay with Conforto just because the outfield market I don't feel next year has the big time players as in shortstop. So Conforto is going to get the truckload of money, especially with Scott Boris. So I feel like Conforto would be the guy to go with over Lindor if they're only going to choose one right now. And if by chance you lose one, it would be Lindor. What would be your one if you could only do one? It's probably very hypothetical. I mean, Sandy's already come out and said that they're fully prepared to handle, you know, multiple extension conversations at once. Uh, you have to assume with Cohen on board or at the helm, that won't be a financial issue for them. You know, hypothetically, if I had to choose one, and considering that, you know, I have, of course, taken into account that the Mets would still have the option to bid for her services in free agency, and considering the market value for shortstops has pretty much been set by Tatis, one Lindor would be my number one choice to bring in mm-hmm. um, among that big class of shortstops next year. And two, yeah, I would still back up the truck for him uh, just to, you know, bring him in. If he wants to wait till after the season, if I'm the Mets, I'm still, you know, making every intent or making it their intention to, to, to bring him back to Queens. I think he's going to be a, just a, a top-notch ball player here. He's young. He's a shortstop. He's you know, terrific on both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah, if I'm the Mets, I got I get them both locked up before opening day. Um, Conforto, again, seems like a shoe, and his trajectory is through the roof. So, you know, going back to after his shoulder surgery in 2018, uh, he's just been on a steady, steady climb. Let him go through another year of this, uh, of this trajectory, of this kind of ascent. And, you know, again, I don't think it's going to be out of the Mets' price range, but his price tag is going to go through the roof. And, um, you know, I'm sure that Conforto knows this, and I'm sure that Scott Boris knows this. And, you know, you have to know that the Mets know this. So it's a delicate situation. You know, I think if it comes to the point that they have to – I don't think it's kind of the point that, they, that they're going to have to choose one. I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, guys, our cards are on the table, and it's going to be on the players to say, hey, you know, we want to sign now. We want to wait for free agency. That's probably the direction it's going to go. I, of course, I'm not. I'm not in these negotiation rooms. I don't know. But to answer your question directly, I would probably pick Conforto because his price will increase more over the course of this season than Lindor's will. Because there's pretty much a ceiling on the shortstop position after Tatis. I know he also mentioned that at the beginning of the offseason, you know, it felt like. The Mets needed to sign George Springer. That was the big thing, get, getting him for center field. You know, then as the offseason went along, you know, I felt them back off little by little because they kind of knew it was either going to be Springer or retain Conforto because Conforto has the bigger upside, especially playing already in New York. Springer would eventually need to move away from playing center field probably halfway through the contract. And it seems Sandy felt the same way during the press conference. Do you agree with the whole Springer situation? 
kind of from the start, I was of the school of thought that the Mets didn't necessarily need Springer, kind of for the reason you just mentioned. He's not going to be a center fielder for much longer. It, when it was in the five-year, $100 million range, I think, yeah, I think that was more of a, a realistic price range. It wasn't going to be anything outlandish where you're going to end up paying a lot for a guy who's not what you originally signed him to be. So, like you said, Springer was probably not destined for center field for long. I don't think that would have affected the Mets' pursuit of Michael Conforto. I think logistically, maybe, yeah, they had to think about that. But financially, no. I don't. I, I think that the Mets, they've said it from the start. They're not going to be drunken sailors, but they have the ability to do what they want now. And uh, you don't let a, a franchise cornerstone in Conforto walk away. And I think that if they wanted Bringer, they could have went out and got Springer. I mean, six years, 150 in a, in a vacuum, sure, he's probably worth that. Just for the Mets' plans, it really wasn't worth allocating those funds. Personally, you know, I wouldn't have been the highest bidder on Springer's services just because, one, I have confidence in Nimmo. He, offensively, he's one of the best, one of the most valuable or productive players, offensive players in baseball since, like, 2018, 2017, like, top 15. Most people don't even realize this. They call him a fourth outfielder. and You know, it, it's baffling. Um Last year, of course, 44 games in center field, but it was his first time ever posting a negative outs above average in center field. You know, he's not been terrible. Under a, under a microscope last year, sure, maybe he wasn't ready for the move. But, you know, as Rojas said on Tuesday, as Nimmo said on Tuesday, uh, the team has a lot of confidence. Nimmo has a lot of confidence in himself. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel the need to go out and spend that type of money on a George Springer when you might have just as valuable a player in your lineup already. Yeah, I'm definitely not ready to give up on Nimmo yet. I kind of tune into the Mets Fix as well. That's another website out there. And they kind of showed... Yo, JV. JV, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, go JV ahead. JV and Blake are doing a great job over there. And they showed just how of a hard time Nimmo with video and their analytics showed just a hard time for him adjusting to center field with just with him making turns uh, going back on the ball. Yeah, but... You know, before last year, he played 104 games in center field, and he had a total of, he was positive every season. But I, I want to say something like plus four total from that's from 2016 to 2019 or through 2019 in center field, and that's over 104 games. Over 44 games, I try not to take it with more than a grain of salt. I think he's going to be fine out there. And sure, his jump was off. And if you look at Conforto, Conforto's sprint speed and, and outfield jump were completely off from his numbers. In 2019, Conforto had plus seven outs above average in, in right field. Last year, he had negative five in half the games, a third of the games. Yeah, I'm very hesitant to put a lot of weight into last year's defensive metrics, even on the offensive side for some guys. You know, I'm not buying that J.D. Davis isn't the... 2019 J.D. Davis we saw, I'm kind of buying that he is. Mm -hmm. And, I, I'm, you know, his OBP was up in 2020, but, you know, the batting average really wasn't there. The exit velocity really wasn't the same. With all the ups and downs and uncertainties, and, and Pete Alonso was talking about this earlier in the week during his little press conference. Yeah, I don't put a lot of weight into into what we saw last year. Because you know, this is baseball. You kind of need a full... 162 or damn close to it to really get an idea of where a guy's at. Once again, I'm here with Tim Ryder, lead writer and proprietor of the Apple. He also hosts a Simply Amazing podcast. Now, Tim, you put out a great article last week on the brilliance of Jacob deGrom. He's a generational talent. The 60s and 70s had Seaver. The 80s had Doc Gooden. And now we have Jake. We know he's the best pitcher in baseball. But what in your eyes makes Jake such a special pitcher? The willingness to adapt. He just keeps getting better which is something that you don't really see. I know we saw an article this week about 
comparing him to uh, Roger Clemens and Randy Johnson, who actually put on, you know, put added velocity as their careers went on. Uh, Clemens, of course, you know, for another reason. But, you know, you look at a guy like Randy Johnson, who, who just kept on getting better, keep on making adjustments. And, you know, for a pitcher, for most pitchers, for 99% of pitchers, you know, as your career goes on, you lose that zip on your fastball and you kind of have to learn how to pitch as opposed to just firing it in there. Jacob deGrom, um, you know, he just keeps on progressing. He finds ways to not only maintain his velocity, to add to his velocity in like historic ways. Like, you know, this is going back in the last 20 years, Pedro, Kershaw, and deGrom. Those are the peaks of pitching. I mean, there's a lot of other guys we could throw in there, but, you know, those are the absolute peaks that I've seen, in my opinion, in the last 20 years. And it's arguable that, you know, Pedro is probably up there by himself, but it's arguable that DeGrom is ahead of what we've seen out of Kershaw. And he's only, you know, technically just getting started. He's only got, what, seven seasons under his belt. He's unlike any other pitcher that we've seen. Like you said, he keeps getting better with age. His velocity keeps climbing. What do you think is causing this at his age? And how long can he keep this up and stay this elite? Well, I think it's the technology, the biomechanics, and the, I guess, motion efficiency technology. That's why you're seeing guys. It's almost like a revolution. It's, a te- it's an information revolution as far as being able to convey the analytics or that data that, you know, you, you have to be a very specialized set of eyes to take that in and absorb it to begin with. To be able to convey that to just, you know, in layman's terms to a player, that's a very, very, very specific skill. But as the technology expands and as the, I guess, the the information kind of reaches new eyes, and now you have people who are just, you know, able to kind of grasp it and act as a conduit for the data going to players. And a guy like Jacob deGrom who notices, oh, well, hey, you know, if I drop my foot here, if I spin here, if I put a little extra weight here, if I rotate here, I'm going to add another another tick or two. Um, You know, I think it's just a it's a testament to his work ethic to keep getting better. You know, you see it across the league. Guys are increasing velocity all over the place because now they have the technology to find out, oh, if I do this. I'm going to add this much more force behind my pitch. Or if I add a little pressure to this finger, I'm going to add a little more spin rate or whatever the case may be. And it's, uh, it's very exciting for like the, the stat nerd in all of us. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a brand new day. It's a whole new world. It really is. Tim, I can't thank you enough for joining me here on the Subway to Shape podcast. Please let everyone know where they can find you on social media, all, all your, your social media tags. Oh, thank you for having me. And you can find, all right. So my personal is at, Timothy R. Ryder on Twitter. Uh, on my new venture is the Apple. We're just a, we're a Substack feed. You can check that out. Um, never any paywalls, but if you'd like to subscribe, of course, there's always a link down at the bottom. Uh, it's two fifty cents, uh, two dollars and fifty cents per month for the year. Those are the lowest fees that Substack offers. But again, any support is appreciated. Uh, that's on Twitter. It's at the Apple N Y M. So at the Apple New York Mets. The Substack is the theappleNYM.substack.com. I suggest just going to the Twitter, find us there, click on the link. Simply Amazing Pod, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. You check us out there. And, uh, yeah, stick around through the season. We're going to be giving you guys updates, to, you know, pretty pretty consistently. There you have it. Tim Ryder, lead writer and proprietor of the Apple, a full-spectrum independent site covering the Mets. And he also hosts a Simply Amazing Podcast. Tim, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And let's do it again soon, man. Very much. Definitely, man. Anytime. All right. Before we 
wrap up the show, wanted to get into a few Mets notes. Starting off with the Mets will be honoring Tom Seaver all season long, wearing the number 41 patch on their sleeve of their jerseys, home and away games. It's a very nice patch. If you saw, I posted it on Twitter through the New York Mets. They had posted an article about it, and I posted their picture, a little retweet, and that pinstripe 41 patch is a thing of beauty. It's nice to know that we are going to have a big year this year honoring Tom Seaver from the patch and the upcoming statue that should be coming out at City Field this year. So the Mets will be honoring Tom all season, the franchise, Tom Terrific. Now, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but I picked up a Mets wine. I was at the store at Stu Leonard's, and they had this New York Mets Club Series Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, I don't really drink wine, but I had to have it, at least to hold. And maybe, you never know, I might open it up one day, maybe for that special day. The Mets might have. I might open it up and make some sangria out of it because that's what I mostly drink when I have wine. There's that. If you check out your, I guess, local stores and see if they see if they have that New York Mets Club Series Reserve and pick one up. I want to give a few shout outs here to a couple of Facebook groups. And I'm going to be doing this every shows. I'm going to point out some Facebook groups that I'm a part of. The avid New York Mets fans as well as the New York Mets Fans HQ. If you're on Facebook, join in on the group. You know, I post my podcast there as well, so everyone can listen. But these are a couple groups that let me come in. They let me post my show and let me talk with the Mets fans, and I enjoy it. It's always a fun time. So the avid New York Mets fans, that's one group, and the other group, New York Mets Fans HQ. If you're on Facebook, go on there, check them out, and join the group. Get all the Mets conversation in there. A whole bunch of fans just having a good time, talking it out. And that's pretty much it for that. Like I said, I'll be doing shout-outs to other groups every episode. Check it out. Before I wrap up here, I'd like to ask you one more time. Every show, I'm going to do it. But please, this will help me out a lot. Please take a few minutes. Write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show. Things you like, things you don't like. I want to improve this for you guys. Every week, I want to get better for you guys and show you that this show could be up there with some of the best baseball podcasts and Mets podcasts that are out there right now. I have a review here from LouDav77. He goes, I love and appreciate your weekly takes from a fan perspective. Hope to listen to interviews of former players. And as you know, we had Glendon Rush on a couple weeks ago. That was fun. Thank you, Lou Dobbs 77 I appreciate your support. So if you guys can do what Lou Dobbs 77 did, review my show. Give me five stars if you love the show. Help me climb the rankings. And we're going to keep this train rolling. We're going to keep this subway train rolling on the subway to Shea. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Like I said earlier, turn on your notifications. Never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. It'll automatically let you know when a new episode arrives. And you can find me on YouTube. Subway to Shea, that's right, it's on YouTube. I've partnered up with my friends at the HSP Network, 
and you'll be able to find Subway to Shake content on their channel. Just search High Spot Podcasts on YouTube or type in youtube.com slash high spot podcast and subscribe to their page to find content from this show. I'm going to do my best to give you the best from me and this show week in and week out leading up to opening day and beyond. Thanks so much for listening to the Subway to Shape podcast. Anthony Rivera signing off saying let's go Mets.